0: First Presbyterian Church in Haddonfield, New Jersey. This episode is a sermon by Rev. Mickey Cassante titled, Original Blessings." It's based on Luke chapter 2 and John chapter 1 and was preached on Christmas Day 2022. Well friends, I, I love preaching on Christmas. I actually volunteered. Marvin didn't even have to ask and I joked with someone last night and I said, well I hope I'm in the right line of work if I, I love Christmas so much. So what is your favorite Christmas story, other than the one today? Okay, Because everybody has a favorite Christmas story. Um, I have two, um, and one of them is on right now on TBS for 24 hours, um, and it's called The Christmas Story. You know, the story of Ralphie with the red rider BB gun. Be careful, you shoot your eye out. Okay, maybe not. If you don't know that story, I highly encourage you to go on TBS after you leave here and watch it. It's a classic. But it's natural to have a favorite story, a memory, or a favorite event we remember around Christmas. It's a season full of celebratory events. We started celebrating four weeks in advance with the beginning of Advent. We as a church, we light a different candle every week on the Advent wreath. We green the church. We begin to adorn our homes and our hearts. And we've even done special clothes, whether it's our holiday best or that horrific sweater for our ugly Christmas sweater party. There's a lot of pageantry around Christmas, and rightly so. It's a story that everyone knows. Christmas cards and other modern renditions give us glimpses of a flawless Mary in pristine, wrinkle-free clothing, a steady and unperturbed Joseph in an equally immaculate robe, a cheerful table with clean straw and fuzzy, friendly animals, and the arrival of shepherds in newly laundered snow-white tunics with dirt-free sandals on their feet. And then we enjoyed so much, we act out these dramas with our children, just as we did last night and earlier in this season with the candlelight service. And this leads me to my all-time favorite Christmas story, which I need to share with you all. It's an epic tale that happened in the Christmas of 2004, and I only get to tell this story one time per congregation, and you're about to find out why. It was my first year as Director of Christian Education at First Presbyterian Church in Ashland, Oregon. It was 2004. I was thinking this morning, Marco and I had not even met yet. And I was in charge of the children's Christmas pageant. At the beginning of the pageant, I had two children that served as acolytes to bring the light into the service. Some of you saw me lighting the candles before. In a previous congregation, we had children that would do that for us. They would process in with the tapers and light the candles. And they wore these beautiful acolyte gowns, just white and gorgeous, I would say circa the 1960s. The Advent wreath that year was placed on the floor. I want you to imagine this Advent wreath placed on the floor at a little bit of a tilt, okay? I had two sisters that served as acolytes, Rose and Renee. I will never forget them. One was six, and the other was four. I was very, very close with the four-year-old and her parents. So as the six-year-old Rose went to light the advent wreath, she lit, now this is on a slant, the top candle and the bottom candle. When Rose, the four-year-old, went to light the candles, she lit the one on the left and the right, and when she did so, the sleeve of that beautiful gown got caught in the flame, and since these were not flame retarded gowns, my acolyte literally burst into flames in front of a church of 500-plus people. I learned two very important things that night. The first is that I'm great in a disaster. I have lightning fast reflexes when it comes to an emergency. I ripped that gown off of her and threw that child on the ground, on the narthex, I'm sorry, on the chancel, rolling her furiously in front of 500 plus people. Did I mention it was Christmas Eve? It was a Christmas miracle that the child suffered only a small burn mark on her arm, and long story short, that child rose became one of my favorites, even though we're not supposed to have favorites. Needless to say, from then on out, my kids freaked out every time I came close to a match. Every Sunday in church school, I would light a candle, and I would say, Why are we lighting this candle? And they would recite, Because we're the light of the world. And we're not supposed to hide it on a bushel, but put it on a lampstand for everyone to see. But every time I lit that flame, the kids would recoil in horror as a joke to me and say, "Ah," Afraid that I would burn them. I still get Christmas cards from those kids this day. Rose actually sent me this card four years ago, and on the front of it it says, Jesus rocks. And on the inside of it, after she wrote, Try not to burn any children this year, the caption says, A superstar was born. From this, I learned my second most important lesson, and that is, if you can't be a good example, the least you can do is serve as a horrible reminder. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. In the midst of a scandal of peculiarity, an odd off-center story about two normal peasant people enmeshed in the trials of everyday events, a child born out of wedlock, a rough journey, no room to breathe, noise, confusion, the pain of childbirth unalleviated, familiar faces, with the exception of Joseph. Strangers breaking in out of the night. It's a mess. Mary isn't even officially married to Joseph, yet she's pregnant. They have to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. There's no Uber. A distance of 40 miles to the Samaritan and Judean hills. The followers of Christ made a point of avoiding Samaria. Mary goes into labor in Bethlehem, But there is no proper room or bed for her. She gives birth, never an easy process, under the best of circumstances, and has to lay her firstborn child not in a cradle but in a feeding trough. In the middle of the night, shepherds burst in upon them, shepherds who smell of wood smoke and sweat and sheep, still shocked over what they had seen in the sky and not likely welcome intruders, Considering that shepherds were the lowest on the totem pole, they were considered rough and dangerous. I love the fact that the first announcement of God's birth comes to shepherds. This makes me smile. They were despised by the Orthodox people of the day. They couldn't keep all the details of the ceremonial law. They couldn't observe the meticulous hand-washings and regulations and pageantry of religion. The flocks made too many demands on them, and the nature of their occupation made them neglectful of religious observance. It was not an option or an interest. Others considered them shiftless, dishonest people who grazed their flocks on other people's lands. But it was to be simple, shiesty men of the fields that God's first message comes. I love the fact that the first announcement of God's birth comes to these shepherds. Did you know that shepherding is one of the loneliest jobs on the planet? That and being a fisherman. What a coincidence that these are the two vocations that we most associate with Jesus. Was there anyone more outside the flock than the shepherds? Was there anyone more outside the religious flock than Jesus? I love the fact that these lonely, forsaken tenders of lambs are the first to see the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The Christmas story shouts loudly to you, and to you, and to you. I have not forgotten you. Please hear me. Remember that God showed up as a Jew in the Roman Empire, in a barn, as a minority, after a genocide, to the applause of a few poor shepherds. And when he did, in fact, show up, he did it on the steps of the Capitol and was executed by the government. Only to rise from a borrowed grave three days later, never before in the history of the world, has an entire empire been overturned by a homeless nomad and his friend John who preached the love of God by the forgiveness of sins. If God brings about his son's birth in such a dark and convoluted fashion to a group of lonely people, or so it appears to our eyes, May we not expect his will to be worked out in our lives from time to time, if not frequently, in a similar fashion? And I like that God comes to these shepherds, the loneliest of people, because when the public ministry of Jesus begins, there is no surrounding chorus of adoring believers, treasuring the memories of the marvels that accompanied his birth at Bethlehem. There are no throngs of believers celebrating the work of his redemption. But it just seems, in this moment, in this story, that for a few moments outside of time, that Jesus and these shepherds understand each other perfectly. My Hebrew professor in seminary, Carson Brisson, which my esteemed colleague may know, he used to say a midrash says that the heavenly council gasped and recoiled at the mere thought of God deeming it necessary to put on human skin. And they cried out, wise and holy and beautiful one, surely things have not come to that. And God smiled and gently replied, it would be my pleasure. I close with these lyrics from one of my favorite songs that was sung in my previous congregation. and Here are the lyrics. You could have come like a mighty storm with all the strength of a hurricane. You could have come like a forest fire with the power of heaven in your flame. You could have swept in like a tidal wave or an ocean to ravish our hearts. You could have come through like a roaring flood to wipe away all the damage we've done. But no, your voice wasn't in a bush burning. Your voice wasn't in a rushing wind. It was still, it was small, and it was hidden. But you came like a winter snow. Quiet and soft and slow. Falling from the sky in the night to the earth below. So Merry Christmas, everyone. A superstar is born. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review this podcast so that we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. To support our ministry, go to www. HaddonfieldPres.org, and click on the Give tab at the top of the page. Grace and peace be with you.